0: You're listening to Mr. Suave at mrsuave.com. Quiet numbskulls,
1: I'm broadcasting. It's a mud, mud
2: Once the cow's been milked, there's no squirting the cream back up her other, so here we are to see things through.
3: Do we drink before the meeting or after?
1: Or both. swinging smart, satisfying sounds. Sharp and syncopated.
4: Sparkling, smooth, stimulating sounds. Chic, sophisticated. Hallmark of quality, written radio. Wonderful music.
0: Hey, 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 kids, welcome to the Modcast. Man, have I got a freaking great show for you this time around. I've got a surprise special guest who will be joining us in just a moment. First, though, I started things out there with sort of a screwball, but everything from here on in is just going to be fastball after fastball grooved right over the heart of the plate, all thanks to our aforementioned special guest pitcher. But that screwball at the beginning of the show, that there was a fantastic bit of Northern Soul from Motown producer and American soul man, Frank Wilson. That's a bit of a rarity in that the original recordings, uh, circa 1965, I think, they were destroyed and only a handful of 45 survived, and eventually became highly sought after collector's items, as you can imagine. And so... The track became a popular one at Wigan Casino, uh, and so much so was eventually released again by Motown in 1979 and has gone on to become even more popular since then. So for this particular show, you'll understand why once we get going here in a moment, uh, it seemed only right to start with some northern soul and something that, in its physical capacity at least, is uh, rather rare since that's what our guest is going to be serving up to you throughout. Without further ado, okay, i got a little ado here, a man who needs no introduction, but he's got a great one. We're going to use it anyhow.
4: I said, I said, I said, I said, is everybody feeling all right tonight? Wow, oh, ladies and gentlemen, who can't. Of all ages, please welcome to the turntables all the way from the bustling metropolis of Montreal, Canada. He's the master of the wheels of steel, the sultan of the seven-inch, the visor vinyl, the wizard of hot wax, the funky soul phenomenon. Please give it up for DJ Parker Pat. Everybody. Get up onto your feet. Get ready to move. Prepare yourself to groove to the sound of hip shaking, soul gritty R&B, old funk, so Latin boogaloo, foot stomping garage, and the dynamic vibe of the go-go sound, baby. Are you ready to get down?
0: Big welcome and thank you to my special guest today, DJ Parker Pat. Thanks for being here.
3: Bonjour, Monsieur Soir. Ça va bien? Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, It is so great to have you uh, on the show so that we could talk about some music and some other mod-related things. And I really appreciate your being here.
3: Well, the honor is all mine. Uh, I mean, you've been an inspiration to me. Uh, I I consider you one of the OGs of podcasting. And uh, you've actually um, inspired me to uh, do my own podcast. So uh, the uh, honor is all mine. Well, I'm
0: glad to hear that. It's always nice if you find out that people are inspired by what you're doing, because that's what I want to do is inspire people to find good music do their own shows like you are uh, and help, uh, you know, further the cause, so to speak in the, in the mod sense.
3: And here's another nod uh, to you. And, and I'm happy we get to see each other uh, through yeah, the right. magic I'm... of zoom. So I'm going to show you exactly what I have in my hand and here you go. Oh, I prepared so nice and it's a Vesper Martini. for you. Martini oh. connoisseurs. So let me have a a, a little sip in your order. And I use some uh, local Quebec gin. It's called the Pige Henricus Gin. Very nice. So
0: um, uh, I I knew you would appreciate that. I'm jealous because uh, it's still a little early here in Seattle where I am. You're about three hours ahead of me. Uh, so you've got a little jump on me for the the martini today.
3: Um, I think I'm allowed uh, early afternoon. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's the uh, first half of happy hour, I think, right?
3: Uh, if you say so, you're you're the expert.
0: <laughs> it's five <laughs> o'clock somewhere, as they say, right? Um, right. So in our worldwide uh, communications, it's it's easy to say that you are in happy hour sometime somewhere. I should have been more prepared with my own martini, but it would have just wasted my day if I start this early.
3: I totally understand.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you are here today. We've got some great music uh, to talk about coming up. You have brought some songs to share with us, which we will get to. And uh, one of the things that I find it an honor to have you is because I know you are a real serious record collector. you have a really great collection and uh, I've listened to your podcast where you talk about the albums and things. It's always amazing how much stuff you have, how much stuff you find and the, uh, the special time and effort you put into it, which I think is really uh, fantastic. And then to share that with everyone.
3: Well, as a mod DJ uh, you probably know that uh, whenever you invited to DJ live, uh, you know, it's not about the technique like like a, a, a rap DJ would be. It's all about your 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 reputation is based on your record collection. Yeah, and that makes the whole difference. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's almost a lifetime of uh, accumulating forty fives, and this is what exactly what the the podcast is all about. Uh, plug to uh, addicted to the needle, the podcast where a vinyl addict meets his dealer. Yeah, I love so. That. So the, the whole concept behind that is that, um, uh, my best friend, Ben Schulman, uh, he's a record picker and we, we had been meeting for about almost a decade and, uh, he, he'd come over, we'd, we'd sit in the basement, he'd play some 45s for me. I'd buy some, we'd remake, uh, the world and talk about our lives and, uh, one day, and he's, he's such a connoisseur, he, he's I call him the rain man of soul music. Wow. And uh, he, he can pick up a 45, look at it, and he goes, oh, that font. Just by looking at that font, I know this has been pressed in Chicago. Uh-huh. Or he'll, he'll say, oh, yeah, the producer on this record uh, had uh, the session on a Tuesday, and they had pastrami on rye that, that, that uh-huh. day. Oh, no, 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 baloney, baloney. So um, so one day I just told him, uh, listen, Ben, uh, why don't we just put two microphones in front of our faces, do exactly what we've been doing for a decade now, and just press record? So that was the uh, genesis of our, uh, of our little podcast. That is, so, that is great. So yeah, right. Uh, thanks to him, uh, mainly, I, I've accumulated a, a pretty decent uh, record collection.
0: It, so it's all his fault.
3: <laughs> um, well I've paid uh, probably uh, the garage on his house yeah <laughs>
0: that's, pretty, that's, a, that's a lot of records so you said it's a lifetime collection When did your lifetime of collecting start How did you get started with records?
3: Well uh, probably when I was a teenager like uh, most most of us uh, you know with uh, something like uh, Quafinia was probably one of my all-time favorite albums, mm-hmm. and that's what got me into the mod culture back in Toronto, uh, you know, a lonely French-Canadian, Quebecois, and the only uh, French-speaking public high school in Toronto, and, uh, you know, also the the Specials album, uh, which we, we've all looked uh, every inch of it to, to emulate yeah. the style, and, you know, I was a two-tone era mod also. And uh, that's that's how it started. So it was mostly albums uh, back then. But uh, my forty-five collection started just maybe over a decade ago. That's when I, you know, uh, concentrated uh, mainly on rare forty-five, uh, rare forty-fives. You know, sixties mainly. Yeah.
0: And how far afield do you go when you're looking for records?
3: Uh, well. Internet is an endless, uh, bottomless sure. pit of of, of records. I, I rely a lot on my picker, on Ben, and uh, but every time I go guest DJing uh, anywhere, you know, you'll you'll find me in a in a junk shop, a flea market. Yeah, there's no ends to where you uh, you'll find some stuff. And and I'm I'm not just a, a record collector. I'm a '60s guy, so. I see we have something in common. I see right behind you some tiki mugs. Yeah. And if I if I move a bit you'll oh, see yes. there's, yeah, there's some there's right there's behind a me few too. Right behind you. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's that's funny. Um, mods share a lot of uh, eclectic tastes and uh, they all tend to meld together after a while as the years go on. <laughs> uh, I remember reading on your um, is the Parka Avenue blog Because you would post pictures sometimes of like when you were in Detroit or somewhere and, you know, going to record stores and looking for vinyl. So I figured probably everywhere you go, you have a sixth sense, you know, of where to find a a secondhand shop that might have some vinyl in it or some 45s. And uh, you're always looking, right?
3: Well, on uh, on a trip, there's two things you know. You can bring back uh, pretty easily, you know, 45s. They don't take uh, too much yeah. space. And clothes. Yeah, It's easy to go through customs with clothes, especially if it's, if it's uh, vintage clothes. So us mods, you know, records <laughs> and uh, clothes, we, we can't bring back scooter parts, but uh, records and clothes, well, they'll usually come back. Right, right.
0: Uh, what was the first record that you bought or listened to, or what was it that kind of turned you on to records originally?
3: I'm an early convert. Uh, I think the first record I bought, I was in fourth grade with my own money, and it. Was, I'm not too proud to say, it, so it's it's, it's a well kept secret. But it was the Kiss Dynasty album, you know, the <laughs> one with the four faces. Yeah. And uh, early on, I was a, I was a KISS uh, Kiss Army uh, brat, but uh, luckily it, I, I, I moved on to uh, better and uh, more sophisticated uh, things. But I, I'd say my first 10 albums were probably all KISS albums.
0: Wow. You really were part of the KISS Army.
3: I, I um, think so. But you were of an age, that's what everybody
0: was listening to at right? the time. Everybody had that. I had KISS albums uh as a kid and uh you know it was just one of those things that you sort of uh, go along with as you're getting started and then
3: eventually like you said your your taste got more sophisticated thankfully well the first the first record i was given it was by my uh, godfather and uh, that was pretty good and I, that probably would you know put a little seed in me it was the first uh, b-52s album oh wow That's great. So uh, he had great taste. Um, My brother
0: handed down records to me, and uh, he's much older than I am. So his era really was kind of the 60s. And he instilled in me a lot of my early love for 60s music with British invasion artists, mostly, but the Beatles and the Stones, of course, and all of that, and lots of soul music from that era as well. And he was a huge fan of the moody blues and um got me turned on to that. The first album that I remember he gave me though was Rush 2112.
3: <laughs> hey, shout out to Canada.
0: Yeah. And uh it was uh I I loved that album as a kid. And then I can remember the first album I bought with my own money was The
3: Monkeys. And well, that's sure- much better than Kiss. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm not sure why I chose the monkeys, but uh, I did. And I can remember one of the very first albums I bought when I originally considered myself a mod. I'm like, okay, I'm, this is me. This is who I am. And I bought Sergio Mendez Brazil 66 because they were wearing those cool suits, you know? So I love kind of.
3: that. I love that song. I recently yes. got it. A, a, um, a, uh, I think it's a, european version we played on the podcast uh, ben uh, fished out for me wow and uh, that that's not uh, it's really big i heard it's really big in europe not as much in in north america because apparently every time they play a a football match or soccer back here they and they introduce the uh, brazilian team that's that's one of the songs they play really yeah i love that song yeah i i I actually dj it uh, pretty often Yeah. All of that, uh,
0: sixties bossa Nova, uh, music. I started getting into that, got me, led me into jazz more and stuff. And, uh, I've always appreciated the fact that mods and this is always a good question, right? Is, is mod really a musical style or is it a lifestyle? And then you like lots of music that just sort of fits in that.
3: That's the chicken and the egg thing. Right. But I, you know, for me, mod is, uh, we're, we're um, curators of anything cool. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, we we, we talk about our, our tiki mugs. They're not mod per se. Right. They're just cool. And that's why you have a lot of mods that are also into the tiki scene. It's, it's just damn cool. It's, yeah. There's no other reason behind it. Right. And I've talked about this with various people
0: on the modcast before about how young mods when we were getting into it we're of an age um it was the mod revival era and uh you know late 70s early 80s type things two town like you mentioned the specials and um, madness and a lot of the bands that weren't really mod bands but they had a sound that was mod friendly for sure um and we all had that and then It's always interesting to me that over time, all of the kids of that era sort of grew up and then got into cocktail music and lounge music kind of at the same time, which got into exotica and tiki music and so on. Um, And it was just this sort of uh, interesting progression that everybody kind of had. In fact, I did a show uh, about Jerry Dammers with a friend of mine because she and I were – listening to some Jerry Dammer's early stuff. And he was into lounge music for sure. He liked like elevator music. Specifically, he had collections of elevator music. Uh, And so I credit him with, you know, probably starting that craze a little bit, because if you listen to that second specials album, more specials with international jet set. And some of those songs are very loungy.
3: Uh, that, that's a rabbit hole you can fall into: oh, easily into. And, and, and you can specialize and specialize. At, lately, I've been into collecting very moog space-age music.: Oh, cool. Um, to find a really good one, because you, you, you know you, you get your tons of cheesy. but to get some really good, you know, space-age go-Go music, uh, it's not easy to find on 45. Yeah, that's I, I. I usually reserve a set of uh, you know space age instrumentals, uh, usually early in the, the uh, in my sets when I I do a DJ night. And, right. uh, I love that stuff.
0: Getting people wound up early on with that, yeah. yeah. One of the interesting things, uh, Moog, the Moog synthesizer. I think I remember reading that one of the first, if not maybe the first Moog synthesizer used in a rock recording was by the monkeys on oh, really? star collector. And uh, if it wasn't the very first, it was certainly one of uh, which is kind of interesting. Cause you know, there's that whole story and debate about the monkeys. Were they real musicians? Of course they were uh, even though session guys were used, you know, on the early recordings, but those guys were really, uh, they did some great music of their own and were really talented musicians. And, uh, in the mainstream, they never get the credit they deserve. But I think that mods and music lovers uh, recognize that and
3: appreciate it. So. Totally agree. Yeah. And uh, we were, we were kind of lucky here in Montreal to have um, the most successful um, international uh, uh, exposition, world exposition here in 1967, the Montreal Expo yeah. in 1967. And now that, that's that's sort of a golden age for that type of music. So there's a few records here um, that uh, you know you, you know there's a Pierre Henry you know style of moog uh, music, and we have a, a couple of uh, records that came out here during Expo '67. Wow. Uh, there's one I, uh, that plays during a, um, a film board Canada film board uh, Expo '67 promotional uh, clip you can find on YouTube, and I was listening, I was, uh, I, I, I used that clip during a, a, a DJ night I do, the Mod Club, that's been going on here for more than a decade. And uh, I, I show clips, and I showed this clip, and I was DJing with a friend, and I told them, oh, I wish I knew the track they used, this really space-age track uh, they used to, in, in that clip. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It sounds great." And then the next record he played was that track. <laughs> <laughs> so I He's finally like, got. Here, to let know- me uh, let me roll that out for you. <laughs> and then the the track is called uh, "La Marche des Martiens," which is the March of the Martians. So you can just imagine how cool it sounds. So we were lucky in Montreal to have you know the architecture, the cultural aspect behind the Expo '67, the exposure. The bands. Yeah, uh, I, I'm great. always think. I'm always thinking of, um, a, you know, uh, uh, if you go on YouTube and you see the clip for uh, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," if you watch the the, the clip, you know, the duo singing the the uh, the song, the, the you know, the Motown classic, it's filmed at Expo '67. Wow, that's cool. You, you can hardly tell, but they're beside a a phone booth. And you can <laughs> you can recognize that the phone booth was on <laughs> yeah. the S- Expo sixty seven site. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, That's we pretty cool. were pretty uh, pretty big in sixty seven. So that that brought us a, a, some great um, cultural exposure. Well, you uh, have brought some great cultural exposure
0: with you for this show. You have brought uh, six tracks that we're gonna go through, and I'll let you. Um, Set them up, and especially these first ones. Talk about pronouncing them properly. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, not my so, forte. <laughs> so,
3: so we had a little uh, back and forth before uh, we decided to do the show, and and I, I suggested uh, I suggested a few themes for you, and we uh, we finally decided to go with a all covers show. Yeah, and um, so. Yeah, we're gonna hear six covers, and uh, the first set of two tracks are from La Belle Province, which is the the beautiful province of Quebec. Wow! And uh, they're French. Well, actually, the second one, no, is not uh, from uh, from Quebec, but the first one is. So, you want me to introduce them uh, right now, or? Um, Let's, let's we jump talk?
0: into the music and then we'll talk about them when we uh, come back in just a minute.
3: Let's hear it.
4: J'ai tout dit, tout dit, comme un plaisir Et ça fait mal, Je peux vous le dire <t'en> Mal, mal C'est ton amour qui me fait bien trop mal Mal, mal On peut toujours me savoir bien trop mal Mal, mal, mal. Mal, mal, je toujours me servir bien trop mal Mal, mal, celui qui aime Mal, mal, aussi me comprenne Mal, mal, tout ce que j'endure mal, mal. et minuit, et si le jour je ne tire pas debout, à nuit je pleure, je tombe à genoux.
0: back to the modcast man those are great tracks thank you for sharing them did you know them i did uh i recognized the music instantly and <laughs> it, it's uh, funny because i don't speak french and my french is really I, I don't attempt to try and sound out words or anything but listening to it it sounded so
3: cool hearing those songs in french for me at least well, the the, first, the last one we heard was Les Dins, Ça ne tient pas debout, uh, which was recorded in 1966 and came out on the French label Riviera. Uh, of course, everybody recognized a mod anthem, yes. which was important for me to present to your listeners. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I had to have a mod anthem in there. And so obviously it was the small faces doing what you're going to do about it. Uh, That came out the uh, year, previous year in 1965. And here's uh, an interesting fact. Uh, There are four sisters, four uh, African-American sisters singing in French. And uh, they're from a small town in Illinois. I can't even tell you the town. That's how much information we have about this group. This is a really obscure rare record it came out in France and in in uh, Canada mainly in Quebec and uh, there's a a picture sleeve and that's how I know they're uh, uh, African-American because uh, they're four black sisters and you can tell from the back of the uh, picture sleeve uh, the the only information I know about them uh they're, uh they're yeah they came from illinois and they're from a, a gospel family so that's how they they learned how to sing how did they come up with the small faces <laughs> yeah, to cover right? i have no idea but um and and it, that that 45 is dear to me because it was actually a gift from a, a fellow mod here in quebec michel Alariot, which is a he, he's a big time um, 60s collector And uh, he gave it to me, which is, I I was dumbfounded that uh, he'd give me such a rare record. But uh, that's very dear to my heart. And, you know, who doesn't love French small faces?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that was a popular song, uh, you know, and and it's sort of surprising that they would have recorded it. But at the same time, it's not that surprising. I mean, you can hear it's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, they actually version of I think it.
3: I think one of the sisters moved to Paris to study I think and uh, they, uh she brought the, the her three other sisters and they recorded in Paris. So wow. so they had a,
0: a producer who probably was keyed into the current hits of the day and said you guys should do this small faces song, you know.
3: Um yeah, and uh, for for obvious reasons they they came out uh With the forty-five here in in Quebec, also, so to to please the uh, you know the Quebecois uh, contingent. Yeah, nice.
0: And right before that was another song that people will have recognized uh, instantly from the music, um, and that was the version
3: of "Hush" from The Purple from nineteen sixty-eight. So this came out on uh, Action Records here in Quebec. Uh, She, you know, Jenny Rock. And uh, the uh, title is called Mal. And uh, Mal, uh, rough translation would probably be uh, wrong for some reason. (laughs) Not Hush. (laughs) No, it's not Hush. And um, and there's certain covers for me that I actually appreciate more as a cover than the original. And this is the perfect example. And Jenny Rock was sort of a big thing in Quebec in the 60s. And uh, I really had to you know, think hard of which track I was going to play by Jenny Rock because she came out with a bunch of um, covers. She did Walking the Dog. Oh, uh, wow. she She did uh, The Sloopy. And uh, my the other track I really love about her is she does a uh, Rufus Thomas cover of uh, uh, Le Train pour Memphis. And uh, oh, it's, it's such a good track. But... Um, I went with Mal. It's it's usually the most popular of the two on on the right on the mod scene, and uh, it's I really looked after 45, and uh, and that's one I found in you know record picking. I didn't buy it off the internet, and so um, I'm that, pretty proud of that one.
0: Um, it is a, a fairly much covered song, I suppose. In fact, the Deep Purple is a cover. They weren't the original recorder recording. It was done by a guy uh, like in 1966, maybe, or the year before Deep Purple did it. And it's a very generic sounding sort of soul song. Um, and I can't remember his his name. It's Billy something, I think. But Deep Purple took it and turned it on its head, really, sort of, and made it super popular. And then I've always liked the version from the mid-90s, kind of the Britpop version by Kula Shaker. Mm. and uh it's cool, but this that is uh i guess that's what they call a banger right
3: <laughs> uh well it's it's big in the uh so, you know mod psych you know uh right circles and and it's that scream at the beginning of the track that you know gets to you right it it hooks you in right yeah, at immediately
0: the
3: beginning. yeah and um yeah it, it, I, I i sort of specialize in that stuff the the cover you know the the french canadian covers and i love to go dj i i usually invited to go dj in in the states uh, you know especially on the east coast new york uh, washington baltimore boston and i love putting on a record that everybody knows and then everybody go, it turns around and looks at me and go. what?
4: It's in yeah. French?
3: <laughs> I have a really rare uh, cover of, um, of uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, doing Purple Haze by a Quebec group. It's called mm-hmm. Vapor Mauve by The Haunted. You probably know The Haunted. They, their, their big hit was 125. But they, they have a very, very obscure you know, cover of uh, Purple Haze. And I, I've seen people go, "All right, purple haze," and it sounds just <laughs> the same, but it's sung in French. And people go, uh? "They turn yeah. around and they immediately rush to the to the DJ booth. Who the hell is this?" And yeah. uh, I'm so satisfied. You you see a grin on my face every time this happens. I love doing this. So oh, covers are covers are sort of my thing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, who doesn't like a good cover? I could do all covers all the time. And I have to be careful not to play too many covers uh, because, you know, they're great. I love them too. And the familiarity of the song. And then if you have something like that, where suddenly it's in French or if there's some other twist to it, you know, where somebody turns a known song into their own thing.
3: Oh, that's the best. That's, that's what I look for all the time. Sure, Sure. I, I recently, um, by an unknown cover of I Feel Fine by the Beatles. And I was, I was debating playing it for you, but it's, it's not even on YouTube. It's nowhere to be found. And it takes you about half the song to finally realize, oh, wait, that's I Feel Fine by the Beatles. Amazing. And I love that. I love when it, it takes the, the ear of the connoisseur to go, oh, OK, oh, that's the Beatles.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when you use that, uh, when you're DJing, you can see people suddenly the light go on, you know, and they go, ah! and that must be really satisfying.
3: <laughs> well, the thing about mod DJs is we, we like rarities. We like yeah. the obscure, you know, it's, it, it's our little, uh, you know, a stuck up uh, mod thing yeah. that, you know, yeah. we, we, we we try to, to uh, refill sophisticated because we know things that, you know the common man doesn't know, and we're, you know we, we all have to admit it. We're we snobbish sure. that way. Yeah, that's why I like to to play covers because everybody knows it. But you'll you'll also play for for the you know the the other DJ that plays is spinning with you that goes, oh wait a second I don't have that. Yeah, and at the same time it surprises the dance floor and everybody knows it. You know you can play your rarest thousand dollar northern soul record that nobody knows but and it's going to clear the dance floor but you play those you know those covers and everybody knows it and right and it's something new at the same time so uh, you know it's not the, the the same old version you've heard thousands and thousands of times and it, it keeps it fresh so yeah. that's why, that's why i like to look for those uh those types of records i've
0: always enjoyed um like the lounge cocktail versions of hit songs. Oh yeah. Um at the instrumentals mostly. And it drives my wife nuts. She's not into she wants to hear the original. <laughs> but I love some of them are kind of cheesy, you know, but when you realize what that song is and that you recognize it and it's just got this different vibe to it, it's great. Um, and I like, you know, I can appreciate a really good tribute where they do the spot on cover. You know, and you can tell they just—they appreciate the original artists, the musicianship, the composing, and all of that. And so they do a just fantastic um, recreation of the original, mm-hmm. and that's nice. But yeah, it's the it's the twist where they give it their own.
3: Oh, they, we're, we're on the same wavelength. Special. Yeah, and uh, I have a a one of my good 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 friends here he's a uh, commercial uh, radio dj on the, ro- the the biggest rock station here in the province of quebec uh randy renault uh, he's on chome fm and uh, he he comes over to my nights uh, every once in a while i've had him a uh, guest dj and i always play the uh you know quebec versions of the of the beatles it drives him nuts because <laughs> you know for for obvious reasons you know you you can't be the, the beatles but if you think about it the beatles they covers them themselves so yeah why why not play you know a french cover of a of a beatles song but it, i know every time he, he rolls his eyes and uh and know uh, you can't you can't mess with the classics sometimes well we've got two classics
0: um coming up next that you're going to mess with or that you brought that people messed with already i guess right so uh what are we gonna hear
3: so um you know I, I i was debating going with the beatles you know i had to cut it to six tracks but we're gonna go with uh another big name um so we're gonna have a cover from elvis uh, doing yes. uh you know the classic heartbreak hotel and i i i guess uh, this, this next set of two songs are probably the most mod set of them all. Well, it's hard to be, you know, small faces. Right. But um, Barbara Trent does a great cover of Heartbreak Hotel and it's mod as F. And uh, the, the, the following one is Damita Dem- Joe uh, who does a, uh, a great cover of Tossin' and Turnin' Yeah, you know, the the classic uh, Bobby Lewis, uh, and oh, and and about Barbara Trent, uh, what's interesting is that that track came out in 1970, so like almost 15 years after the release of the original Heartbreak Hotel. So, uh, let me know what you think. All right, let's listen.
0: Okay, those were two classic tracks. They were fantastic covers, and I don't know either of the artists. Actually, I was not familiar with, with either of them. That last song was "Tossin' and Turnin'," which is, I think, from the late '50s, originally or thereabouts. Uh,
3: 1961. Uh, Bobby 19- the Bobby okay. Lewis uh, version is from 1961. This one came out on a very obscure label called Red Label. In 1960s, no, Toss and Turning uh, was on EPIC in 1966. Damita Jo Dublant, her full name, uh, very French, or Dublanc, like you you Americans like to pronounce it. (laughs) We don't (laughs) pronounce the C in French, by the way. So Dublant is an Austin, Texas native. Wow. Wow. And she's an African-American singer. And uh, I mean... For me, this is what mod music sound like. This is totally mod for me, yeah and uh, and I chose that version instead of the 1978 uh, cover by Peter Chris. We talked about this before.
0: <laughs> Peter <laughs> Chris oh, that must be a real.
4: <laughs> oh man, uh,
3: yeah, on his solo album, he did a cover um. Of that song so um you'll have to trust me on that i think the the damita joe uh version is better i'm sure it is i
0: i do remember a version by the supremes from the early 70s i think after diana ross left so uh which was okay but not as cool as this one you're right it's a very mod um rendition of Tossin' and Turnin'. which you don't i mean there's that twist again right it's not a song that you think somebody's going to turn into really a mod dancer but they did just like the one before it too
3: yeah that was um barbara trent uh that's on the on the red label a uh, very small label i think um only six singles came out on that, on that wow. label and uh barbara trent did two i think out of the six and herself she didn't have a very uh, uh productive uh, recording career i think she came out with five singles and that was a third of five if i believe so heartbreak
0: hotel which uh, when we were talking, going back and forth before the show, I, I voted for this one, so to speak, because that was one of my favorite songs by Elvis. I'm not a huge Elvis aficionado, but you know, you know his hit songs and things, and I always liked that, and I've always liked hearing good covers of it. There was a garage rock cover of it in the '80s, um, by I think the legendary Golden Vampires, which was kind of obscure European garage band that was really cool too. But this, I mean, again, kind of turns it on its head and uh, makes
3: it well, better. I, I love sticking it to rockers of uh, coming out with like a, a, you know, a rocker classic and, and coming up with a better mod version of yes. it. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I just love that. And um, I think, yeah, I think that does the trick.
0: Yeah. Those are great. Uh, and finding the kind of things like that, these are the, the albums when you collect, this is what you're looking for. How long have these been in your collection? Are these new finds, recent finds, or you had
3: these for a while? Uh, that Heartbreak Hotel I've had for a while. Uh, it's not something you, you, you come by easily. It's no. not necessarily something, something I'll find digging. But, uh, you know, it, it'll pop up every once in a while on, on uh, eBay or Discogs. And uh, when there's something I really want... You you better move uh, move aside because uh, I'm gonna put my hands <laughs> on it. And I I was I, I gave you a choice between that one and a uh, another version uh, another Elvis track, uh, what was it? Uh, all shook up. And yeah. uh, the reason why I picked that one was it starts with heavy fuzz on it. So imagine, you know, Elvis cover with <laughs> fuzz guitar. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, all fuzzed out, yeah. Yeah, it was, so was good saying- too, but
3: this one uh, because Heartbreak Hotel, I just thought it was uh,
0: it was pretty pretty good.
3: And as much as a, you know Elvis is a is a rocker icon, you'd be surprised at how much there's. I feel there's a few tracks by Elvis that are totally mon. Um And one of my favorite uh, you know uh, tracks from Elvis is one that is considered like a a um, Northern Soul classic and it's called uh rubberneckin. Oh yes. It's from one of his movies and uh it has some great hand clapping on it that I DJ all the time and uh it's very northern sa- uh, soul sounding. Cool. So you you never picture, you know, Elvis being a mod mm-hmm. icon and he does some great R&B also. But he, he he's there. He's he's not only, you know, for rockabillys.
0: Yeah, right, not just for rockabillys anymore. <laughs> All right, so we've got two more coming up that are probably the most rare in, uh, out of these tracks. One of them for sure is is really rare,
3: I'm guessing. Yes, because I had to uh, record it myself and send you the link because it's nowhere to be find, found on, you can find it on YouTube, you can Google it as much as you want, you won't found, find it. And I had to give your listeners something exclusive. I mean, yeah. they deserve this. I mean, so, uh, yeah, so uh, you want me to talk about it right now? or Let, Let's listen to these two tracks, and then uh, we'll come back, and we, you can tell us all about them. Sure.
0: All right. I don't think people will have any trouble recognizing the first one that we're going to play here in just a second. So. A classic. It is a classic.
2: I got sunshine on a cloudy day.
4: In the month of May.
1: Mouse. Mickey Mouse, Donald no, Mickey Mouse, no yeah. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, M I C K Y M O U S E, Mickey Mouse. I said. Uh,
0: to the modcast with my guest today dj parka pat who has uh, been regaling us with stories of record collecting especially his favorites and some of mine too, cover versions and that last song we just heard one fine mice and you were saying that's pretty rare and i'm guessing it
3: really is and it it's like wow it blows your mind when you realize what it is well we were we were talking about surprising people on the dance floor, yeah, this usually will get you looks and go oh <laughs> and, and and the other fun part about it is that people will sing along too, yeah, because they know course. it right right uh, especially yeah. our generation, yeah,' Because, you know it's the it's the uh very famous uh uh, Mickey Mouse Club theme from uh, early 60s, I think in 1961 or so, the, the original. original. Yeah. Yes. And um, what I love about this song is that uh, he talks about Mickey Mouse um, doing the Boogaloo, doing the James Brown yeah, and doing the Funky Broadway, all those iconic, uh, you know, dance craze from From the '60s, and uh, you know, he's he's piling around with his friends Donald Duck and Goofy, <laughs> and it's just a happy, funny song. Right. It's, it's it's sort of a risk um, uh, when when you DJ it. Uh, I remember uh, debuting it at, at um, uh, the New York Soul Train, um, and and uh, there's a there's a dance competition that uh, they do at that night where so you have a, a dance floor packed with people right. and they, they try to, to, to outdo themselves and, and, and win a prize at the end. I think they, they gave $100. It's Jonathan Tubin's night, a uh, very famous night. Uh, I, it, he does it all around the States and Canada. And I was a guest DJ when he came to Montreal. And I played this for the first time and <laughs> I remember him looking at me, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was dancing along. And uh, it's a staple in my my DJ box. I I rarely uh, leave without it. And the reason probably it's not on on, uh, YouTube or on the net, it's actually the B-side to a very uh, decent uh, psych garage track called Next Exit. Yeah, it's Jim Jones and uh, Cha Chanties, Hmm. And that came out on Sunglow in 1967.
0: Well, I was wondering if maybe it's not online because Disney sues people or something for... But he changes it enough that, you know, he's not uh, infringing on any sort of Disney uh, copyright, I suppose. But
3: Well, following... Well, that, probably that's the reason why they changed the the, the title, too. One Fine Mice is, yeah. doesn't raise flags. But uh, we'll see. Um, after the airing of the show, I'll, I'll put it up on, uh, on my YouTube channel so um, okay. you, you can hear it again. Yeah. Uh, and then
0: right before that was another great cover, Prince Buster.
3: Well, what mod doesn't like ska, right? right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a mod thing, you know, blue beat ska rocksteady. And, um, and, and you can tell also with Prince Buster to, you know, go around probably the, uh, the infringement laws, right. uh, didn't put it out as my girl, but, uh, but the title of The song is uh, Sunshine With My Girl. Yeah. And it came out uh, two years after The Temptations uh, did it in 1964. So it came out in 1966. And just like most Jamaican uh, 45s, you, you've got plenty of, of uh, records that have blank labels and they're handwritten. Wow. And this is the case. So uh, for, for all you record nerds out there. You know that Prince Buster had his, his record label, but uh, sometimes forty fives just came out on blank white handwritten yeah. um, forty five. So that's that's sort of a rare. and I'm glad my wife is not around. Uh, rather expensive uh, forty five, <laughs> but uh, I think it's worth every penny because you know a ska version of My Girl. Right. It's it's fantastic. how can you go wrong.
0: No, you can't. And I, I bet that that uh,
3: pretty much fills the floor whenever you play it. Again, because everybody recognizes it. And, yeah. uh, you know, Ska is infectious. So you, you try to stay, you know, uh, immobile and not moving during that whole song. It's it's practically impossible. impossible. Yeah, yeah, it is. All of these, these are all
0: great dance songs. Um, and the recognizability of it is part of it, but also just the cool factor. Like you were saying before, you know, uh, you're a curator of cool and your records are pretty damn cool. So, uh,
3: wow,
0: that's high praise that.
3: coming you for you from you, uh, Mr. Suave. Uh,
0: well, you deserve it. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've got a fantastic collection and someday when we get past all of these, uh, pandemics and COVID lockdowns and quarantines and so on, um, if you make it to Seattle, we'll have to have a martini and, uh, Maybe you will DJ a night out here sometime.
3: Last time I, I was in Seattle was in 97 when I wow. did my, my Cross Canada trip on a, uh, a GP200, a Lembretta GP200. Um, my idea was to go from Montreal to Vancouver. And I actually went around the Great Lakes, wow. south of the Great Lakes, you know, through Buffalo, Detroit, uh, Chicago. I even went to Grand Rapids. And I, I crossed back into Canada, just north of Fargo. And one of the reasons I really wanted to go to Fargo was not because of the movie, because <laughs> it was out back then. It was, it was because I had heard that Elvis was still alive, and he was the managers of the Burger King <laughs> in Fargo. So I actually have a photo you know, standing in front of the Burger King in Fargo on my, on my GP200. That's funny. You know, Having an Elvis pose. And uh, came back uh, through Winnipeg, and then went straight to Vancouver on on my Lambretta. I was uh, accompanied by by a friend of mine that was on a Vespa, who was from Vancouver. And my uh, my engine blew up uh, after going through the Rockies. That that didn't help. Yeah. And I actually it was about four hundred kilometers from. From Vancouver. I don't know how much miles that is. You know, it's about, uh, you know, five, six hours of scootering. Right. That's but life. I actually, you know, drove into Vancouver in the back of a pickup sitting <laughs> between two, a Vespa and a Yeah. And I was quite disappointed because my idea was to leave from Vancouver and go down the West Coast. You know, as an as a elementary school teacher, I have the whole summer off. So that was like, you know, my summer was was planned out to do that scooter trip. And uh, so I had a, a you know, non-functioning uh, seized uh, Lambretta on my hands. So what I did is I took um, a bus. Well, actually I took the ferry to yes. Vancouver Island and then to Seattle. So I was in Seattle in 90, uh, 97. And then I took a bus all the way down to LA from, wow. from Seattle. There was, a, there was a company back then called the green tortoise. Yes. They're still here. They're still there. Oh, that was great. Except I was a mod, you know, surrounded by hippies. Right. It was like (laughs) a
0: crash pad on wheels.
3: Right. Yeah. And, and, and and, uh, I, between San Francisco and LA, I was, uh, the owner was the, uh, the bus driver and he looked like a native American big guy, you know, and, we all we heard during the whole trip was some grateful dead. I was, I, I wanted to, you know, shoot myself in the head, but it was a great experience. So that all, you know, I got to visit, um, Seattle Sun scooter, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, I, so it's been a while. So, uh, I need to get back to the West coast. Uh, Post haste. So
0: as far as you did make it almost to Vancouver, how long were you scootering
3: at the beginning when it was still running? So it was, it, it, It was 15 days and only one day without writing. So I spent a day in Chicago for obvious reasons, uh, Uh went around the city and visited. But the rest of the, you know, the the other 14 days were straight uh, writing all day.
0: Wow. How many days into the trip were you when you said, why in the
3: world did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the... The whole reason for this, for that trip, was to. Um, it was a practice run. I wanted to do Montreal, Tierra del Fuego, Argentina, Whoa. on a scooter. It was done before, and the reason why I wanted to do that was because I wanted to have a sense of the how grandiose, you know, the planet is. I want. I, I don't want to. I didn't want to take a, a, a an airplane. I wanted to have, you know, pass every mile. Oh, yeah. And uh, well, since the, the test drive was, a, was a, a bust, I had to give up my, my dream of going because Tierra del Fuego Argentina is considered the end of the world. Ah. You know, back, back when, you know, the, the explorers, it was considered the, the place where you go, you know, go off the, the edge. The edge. <laughs> or, well, for flat earthers, I guess, yeah. that's still possible. <laughs> So I had to give up on that on that dream, and uh, in two thousand three three, instead I um, I did a cross the world trip, but uh, everything except scooters. So I went to, and did Asia and Australia for a year. Wow. And took you were well traveled. I didn't bring back any records from my uh, travels in China and Vietnam and and Australia, but. Uh, uh, plenty of stories, uh, non-mod-related stories about that trip. But <laughs> oh. uh, the, the, the Cross Canada trip was a, a test run. And it took me uh, more than a decade to get another scooter after that. After that. I was so bummed out. But uh, I made up for, for, for lost time because now I have three and I don't know where to put them. Yeah, what kind of scooters do you have? So I have a 59 uh, v and Vespa and that's the modded out. Uh, scooter, you know, all the mirrors, all the spotlights. And uh, I think the scooter is worth more in accessories than (laughs) the actual scooter. Because If you have, you know, period accessories on a scooter, a mod scooter, it's it's usually more than the scooter is worth. And um, I have a 65 uh, TV 175 or a Lambretta, which I consider the ultimate mod scooter. Uh, I actually wrote a post uh, about that on my on my blog. What is the ultimate mod scooter? And uh, it was a toss-up with the Lambretta TV 175 and the Vespa GS. Mm-hmm. And obviously I went for my scooter.
0: <laughs> right.
3: And the last one of the collection is a 1975 uh, Jet 200 Lambretta, a Cervetta, which was a Lambretta made in uh, Spain. What's interesting about that uh, ochre, it's a nice ochre um colored uh lambretta is that when i bought it i had only 700 original miles on it wow and it, it it just have has less than 900 now and it's all original original paint still has the breaking in sticker in the lake shield to break wow. in the engine so that's that's a time capsule cool. yeah so you know it, mods have expensive tastes between the the clothes uh, the rare records and the, the scooters <laughs> and yes. the scooters there's not much left in the, yeah. the bank account at the end
0: i had a, my scooter my favorite scooter i had two or three but my first was my favorite by far and i owned it for a number of years i bought it as a senior in high school with my own money right it was a big deal i was a mod i was going to finally get a scooter and i bought it from a little old man who had only had like eleven hundred miles on it? it was a wow. seventy nine p two hundred uh and so this was in nineteen eighty four yeah nineteen eighty four and I did not know how to ride a scooter when I bought it. <laughs> it took me hours to get home, and he only lived like six miles from where <laughs> I lived, but I was you know stalling and learning how to use the clutch and all of that. Uh, but man, there is something about scooters that are just uh, fun to ride and cool to look at. And uh, nice.
3: yeah, it's it's usually the Lambretta orders that push their scooters all the way home. The, <laughs> especially the P200. The P200 is a workhorse of all scooters.
0: And you could keep it running with like a paper clip, you know, and a, a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. It didn't take much. Even and I'm not a mechanically minded person really. Because uh, but we're even bots. I, yeah, <laughs> even I could keep it running most of the time. Um, but yeah, so um, I've got a couple of questions for you as we kind of get ready to wrap this up. I'm curious to know um, what would surprise listeners to your podcast, Addicted to the Needle? Uh, I'll put a link to that at the Modcast homepage at Uh But what would surprise your listeners that they found out you listen to? What's a guilty pleasure when it comes to
3: music? Well, I, I don't listen to Kiss anymore. That's, <laughs> we can put that aside. Um, oh, hey, you're throwing me for a loop here. Uh, a guilty pleasure. Well, uh, we've talked about the uh, space, space age music. Um,
1: okay, I, I nice. really
3: like, well, here's, here's, here's something. I took about for five or six years at least, uh, Latin dance uh, lessons. Oh wow! So I learned to dance salsa, uh, merengue, bachata. Uh, so I, I always play a Latin boogaloo set during my uh, mug club night. I love that stuff. And people really appreciate it. I mean, Latin stuff, uh, what's not to, not to love? Uh, it's very danceable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have taking the basic lessons you know they know you know the basic steps so yeah i i that's another thing sometimes i i surprise people uh, especially if my wife uh, comes and uh, hangs around uh, the the dj night and i've put on a a boogaloo record and i just grab her hand and hit the dance floor while the, the record is spinning and she's spinning you know 45 revolutions per minute and and everybody turns around and go, whoa, Oh, he's a dancer too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that might surprise people. That uh, yeah, I, I, I took salsa and merengue lessons. Oh, well, that's cool. Um, the
0: last thing is, I'm gonna throw you a, a sort of little curveballs, but I'd like to do this uh, either or game with uh, people when they are guests on the modcast. So I will give you two options and you just tell me which one you prefer. It's really easy. So like beetles or stones.
3: So it's a lightning round. Okay. Kind of. Uh, is that the first question? Sure. Uh, so as of today, I'd say stones. I, uh, it, it, it changes every day.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. These are There are no right or wrong answers, of course. And uh, but it depends as- on the day.
3: As a mod, I snubbed the Beatles for a very long time for, for that reason because, you know, mods are not supposed to listen to the Beatles, but they're one of the greatest bands of all times. Right. But the other reason was uh, there were my parents' band, especially the early Beatles. But uh, I remember they had Rubble Soul, you know, they had Yellow Submarine. But um, so I didn't want to listen to my parents' music. So it was mostly Stones. When we were
0: talking scooters, so Vespa or Lambretta. You Lambretta answered this already.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Motown or Stacks. I have to go with Motown. Oh. I I visited both both places. They're for me, uh, you know, the mecca for for a mod. You 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 know, you have to go pay your respects. Right. I remember I, I brought my uh, my co-host to Addicted to the Needle, Ben. Uh, to, to Detroit for the first time, he knew so much stuff about Motown he, that we were driving in Detroit. He goes, oh, turn right, and then go straight, Motown's going to come up. He goes, how, you've never been here. He goes, I know so much about Motown that I know the streets. Right. And uh, as soon as we showed up, he went and licked the door of Studio A. Wow. So that's how much. That's commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew, we took the tour and he knew more than the, the, the tour guide so it, it was pretty funny All right. <laughs> but I, I love Stacks uh, when I visited Stacks uh, as soon as we, we walked out uh, my wife and I hopped into a taxi and I gave an address to the um, to the taxi driver and we went to see uh, uh, Booker T's house Oh, nice. And we drive by. We, we, I wanted to take a picture. We stop, and there was this, this African-American taking his groceries out of his car when we stopped. And he goes, can I help you? I go, this is Booker T's house, right? Right. He goes, uh, y- yeah. You're a lucky man. <laughs> and then we drove off. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, not, I'm a fan of both, but uh, I, I have to uh, go with that. what happened
0: Yeah. Gin or vodka?
3: Oh, gin. Yeah, no doubt. Right, right. There's your Vesper.
0: Uh, That's that's it.
3: Um, Oasis or Blur? I'd say Oasis, but uh, last time I saw Oasis in concert was probably one of the worst concerts I ever saw. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, They're great on record, but I can't stand, uh, you know, Noel and and. They, they're, you know, the two brothers fighting yeah, all the time. I know they're, they have shitty attitudes, and when I saw them, there was you, you could tell they didn't want to be there. You just could tell. Oh, that's yeah. yeah so that's sad, but but uh, you know, I, I like their music more, so I I have to choose Oasis, the Jam, or the Style Council. Interesting, um, the Jam, just because. I grew up with them that's what got me into the mod scene but uh i well i think i have every album from the style council so it, it, you know nothing wrong with them
0: you were talking about um you had sort of snubbed the beatles because they weren't a proper mod band uh you know early on and one of the great regrets i have uh from when i was much younger and, and early in the mod scene Uh, the mid eighties, you know, people don't realize now we forget that the jam had only broken up three or four years before that. And here comes this new band, the style council and my friends and I in California, we were not happy. We were mad at Paul Weller for breaking up the jam because we loved them so much. And I remember to this day, not going to see a show in Hollywood where the headliner, the, the main band, was R.E.M. And opening for them was the Style Council. And I didn't go because I was like, the Style Council? I'm not going to go to <laughs> No way. I'm, I'm a jam fan. And I think about that now, about how young and dumb I was and uh, missed out on, on seeing the Style Council. I've seen Paul Weller a bunch of times solo now, of course, well as much as he gets to the States or used to sort of. Yeah. He doesn't come to Canada. So I've never seen him live. Wow. Um, I've seen him several, many times now in Seattle. The first time was in the early nineties, uh, when his first solo album had just come out. And it's funny because he has changed as an entertainer, at least in my opinion, in my memory of these shows, he's become, uh, a kinder, gentler version of himself on stage. He has a better rapport with the audience
3: now. She's no than... Morrissey.
0: Yeah. And, and whereas <laughs> the first time I saw him, he was he was a little snobby. And maybe it's because it was Seattle in a small club at the time, but it was we were sure excited to see him, you know. But the last time I saw him here just a couple of years ago, and it was a fantastic show. He did some jam songs and style council songs and uh, someday you will have the chance hopefully again. Well, I've,
3: I've heard that I've heard he's afraid of flying. Is he, th- is that why he doesn't come over? Uh, I don't or I'm know. I'm thinking of somebody else. Um,
0: I don't know if it's that or just, I think he didn't have a lot of early success, you know, in the States right. so much. And maybe he's like, screw it. You know, they didn't love me. I'm maybe it's not returning the favor, but he does now. I mean, you know, he's this icon, um, in the States as well as uh, Europe and England, of course. But anyhow, my last question is the
3: temps well, just, or the tops. I, just a, a, a side note on that. Um, I didn't, I never saw the jammer or, or Paul Weller, but I almost saw every band from the two-tone label. Really? And the only, well, aside from the body snatchers, the only band I hadn't seen live yet was madness. I had tickets for them to go see them in New York. Oh. And then the pandemic hit. It was yeah. last March, so I, I was supposed to DJ uh, that weekend in New York and go see Madness. Wow. And then the pandemic hit. So wow. I saw every other band from from uh, aside from the Body Snatchers. I don't know if they ever came to, to, to North America anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's
0: that's painful, isn't
3: it? But maybe yeah.
0: maybe someday everybody gets vaccinated. <laughs> we well, can they're hope, supposed right?
3: they're supposed to come back and the, the tentative date is on on a weekday so i don't know if i can oh yeah go to hard. new york on on a weekday you know so I, I maybe maybe i'll never get to see them i don't know
0: well i appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh sharing your records and singles and um they're great tracks and uh we'll have to do oh, it again like, at
3: some point i'd have to say the temps Mm. <laughs> and the an temps in
0: the tops, right? Okay. Uh, I, I almost know. forgot that was gonna be my last uh my last closing question. The temps. Yeah, it's hard to argue Well, just because
3: it. we played my girl, that's why. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Uh well, thank you very much. Uh DJ Parka Pat. And it flew by. Uh, it did. It went pretty, pretty quick. And we will direct people to your I'll put a link to addicted to the needle. Um, I know you've done you've done a lot of Podcasts Addicted to the Neal. Uh,
3: we're uh, we're going to record episode 61 uh, very 61. soon. And here's the, the fun part about um, the following uh, uh, shows, uh, nine shows coming up, is that we, did, we started on, on episode 60 and we do a DJ battle where Ben and I present a song from the year of the number of the podcast. So last episode we did from 1960, and we have people uh, you know, vote on uh, which song they, they like better. Cool. And uh, we're, we're racking our brains. If you thought finding six tracks for this show was hard, try to find one from one year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so from, from till probably, we're probably going to go till 70 or 71. We're going to do a little DJ battle from, from the year of the episode.
0: Nice. Well, I'll look forward to that. Thanks again for being here, and people can find links to that, and as usual, a track list, such as it is for this week's uh, or this particular modcast, MisterSuave.com. Don't forget to spell out the Mister, and thanks to DJ Parkerpath for being here. As I sign off on my podcast, keep on, keep it on. I'm Mister Suave. Thanks for listening.